ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Hi, Damien Carrick here with a festive season edition of The Law Report. We all want to celebrate the end of the year. And after a long COVID hiatus, the office Christmas party is back with a vengeance. But how can we all enjoy ourselves safely and avoid descending into a legal spiral of sexual harassment, personal injury and unfair dismissal litigation? Employment law expert Athena Colmeyer is the managing director and principal of Sydney law firm Workplace Law. Athena Colmeyer, do you have a sense that post-COVID there is a, a real anticipation, a real expectation and build-up around Christmas parties this year? I think that's right, Damien. I think there's a, an expectation that, you know, we've missed out for the last couple of years and we expect a big one this year where everybody can really let their hair down. So what's ringing in your ears, uh, Christmas bells or alarm bells? Look, unfortunately, it's a little bit of both. Um, I try to maintain the Christmas spirit, but I'm always a little bit alarmed at some of the stories that I hear, probably starting from about this time of year with fallout from Christmas parties, and obviously that trickles into January, which is not a great start to a new year. Mm. Well, what is it about Christmas parties that creates legal risk? Look, I think the thing that really causes difficulty is that there is a perception which is no longer true, but that the Christmas party is rules don't apply. Um, So normal rules of workplace engagement, you know, are parked at the door for a Christmas party and that everybody can do as you please and that there is a sort of like a implied expectation that there's going to be bad behaviour because there's alcohol and people are being fun, whereas they might not normally behave that way in the workplace. It's a difficult one because, of course, the rules do apply and, you know, your fellow employees are still your fellow employees at the Christmas party just as much as they are during a workday. Mm. Sexual harassment at a workplace Christmas party is a workplace issue and, and there was a very interesting Queensland workers' compensation case that makes that crystal clear. It involved, I think, the, the Coolangatta Police Station Christmas party. It's actually a pretty sad story. Um, there was a Christmas party. It was organised by the social club and held at a resort, so it wasn't held at the premises. Unfortunately, at that Christmas party, one of the workers was sexually harassed by a colleague. He told her on multiple occasions that he wanted to have sex with her. He insisted on dancing with her despite her objections. He put his arm around her and was trying to kiss her. Um, And then, to top it all off, he gestured towards her, indicating that he was going to undo his pants. A couple of days later, the worker actually made a sexual harassment complaint and an investigation was commenced. And things actually, unfortunately for her, got worse after that because following the complaint, a number of her colleagues started to turn on her and, you know, were isolating her, making unkind comments to her in the workplace and treating her differently. And uh, the officer in charge of the station indicated to her that she probably didn't have the necessary qualities for this job. And that resulted in a workers' comp claim saying that she had suffered a psychological injury caused by both the sexual harassment at the Christmas party and then the subsequent workplace bullying and isolation as the result of her complaint. So... This worker wasn't uh, having uh, a great run because the workers' comp claim was initially denied because they said, well, this isn't an injury arising out of the course of your employment and that the post-party 
conduct by the police was reasonable and that was appealed, obviously, to the Queensland Industrial Relations Commission, which turned that decision on its head and said that the worker did suffer a psychological injury as a result of the sexual harassment at the party. And uh, I think probably in a wise note for employers who think that, you know, there's no connection between a social club that the employees run themselves and a workplace environment. The QIRC found that employees were encouraged to join the social club, they were encouraged to attend the Christmas party, that uh, the senior officers had authority to issue directions about the social club and events if they saw a need, that the president used the station's email to send emails to employees about the Christmas party, including sending the invitation, and that rosters were negotiated with a neighbouring station to permit employees of the Coolangatta station to commit to attend the Christmas party. So they said, look, this is now. We're satisfied that it's sufficiently connected to your work and that all of the injuries that you've suffered as a consequence of this are compensable. So I guess that was finally a win for the worker at the heart of that issue. Yeah, so so the decision speaks to the importance of an employer doing everything to prevent sexual harassment, but also the importance of responding to a complaint in an appropriate way. Absolutely, like having, you know, a, a complaint met with well, you know, aren't you a party pooper then and you should have just copped it and moved along and been, you know, satisfied that it was sort of over at the end of the Christmas party is really, I guess, if we have to confirm that it's not an appropriate response, it is not an appropriate response. Let's shift focus to employees who are found to have sexually harassed a colleague. There was a recent unfair dismissal case, Karen and Westpac. Well, that one was, um, it was actually a really interesting turning point, I think, for changing social perceptions with this one, because this employee was a 35-year employee of Westpac. And normally, you know, you might expect that people with that degree of tenure, you know, get cut a little bit of more slack than people who might be brand new. But uh, this was a very satisfactory result, because even though the uh, situation was slightly more low level than might have been experienced by the Coolangatta police station worker. There was a uh, professional development workshop organised by Westpac and then after the workshop, the employer arranged for some drinks to be had at a pub as a social event until 6.30. So they said, look, that is the starting time, this is the finishing time, it is 6.30, please go to the pub, enjoy yourselves. Until then, the staff members were provided with wristbands and enabled free access to drinks during that period of time. So look, everybody sort of went home apart from a small group of staff members, including our hero at the heart of this story. And he then became involved in two incidents. So the first incident was involving inappropriate touching of a female colleague on the bottom for a few seconds. And the second one was when there was an attempt to kick on to the Crown Casino and the employee yelled expletives and offensive language at a female colleague after she told security not to let him in because he was intoxicated. So there was an investigation by Westpac and that investigation substantiated the uh, touching on the bottom and partially substantiated the second incident. And the, and the first incident took place, what, at the pub with, with the wristbands? So at the party event, not the, yes. like the after party or the kick on by a few members of the group. That's exactly right. It was actually after the official finish time of 6.30, but, you know, a small group was still there. And that is really the key here because that is what provided sufficient connection to the workplace to enable Westpac to step in to deal with this situation. So the employee wound up being dismissed and the employee's claim was that this was not actually 
a work-related event. It was after the official finish time of the Sundowner event, which had the wristbands and the official endorsement from uh, Westpac. And he said, well, I was in my own private time then, so you don't have any jurisdiction here, Westpac, to deal with what I do in my private time. The Commission said no. The Commission said, look, this conduct occurred on the border between work-related event and private activities, but it was at the physical location of the work-related event and that there was sufficient connection with work because it was all colleagues still sitting around a little bit after the official event ended. So that, I think, is an important thing for employers to note is that don't feel that just because something has happened, you know, after the official event time is over, that it's not something that you can deal with. It is something that you can deal with and you should take the necessary steps to deal with inappropriate behaviour that's got a sufficient connection to work. And the second incident which occurred at Crown Casino, that was like four hours later and um, I think, you know, a few kilometres of walk away. So that was deemed to not be part of, I don't know, of an employment-related event and so what took place there couldn't form the basis of dismissal but the first incident could, so he, this guy's claim for unfair dismissal failed. The employer was able to sack him. That's exactly right. You're listening to The Law Report. Today we're focusing on the legal fallout from Christmas parties that fly off the rails. Athena Colmeyer, sexual harassment's a big issue. So is aggressive behaviour. There was an unfair dismissal case, Vey and Aldi, and it involved the throwing of a full glass of beer. Yeah, that was an interesting one. And look, this is a case that should actually give heart to employers who still have Christmas parties and set the rules really clearly and try and do all of the right things. So at this event, the Christmas party was at a hotel bar. The employee became highly intoxicated and was refused further service by the trained bar staff. The employee became agitated and a number of managers came over and tried to calm him down. However, he became aggressive and he then threw a full glass of beer across the whole room in the direction of a group of employees. The glass hit a lamp, thankfully, I think, and not the employees, and beer sprayed all over everybody seated nearby. The employee was suspended. There was an investigation, which included a review of CCTV footage, which was excellent that it was available at the venue. And the employee's employment was ultimately terminated as the result of that incident. So the employee brought an unfair dismissal application and the Fair Work Commission said... Look, the employer didn't remind employees about behavioural expectations prior to the party, but it had taken reasonable steps to ensure that the employee behaviour didn't get out of hand, including limiting the amount of alcohol to be consumed, that managers were in attendance to ensure behaviour was appropriate. There was a security guard there. There were bar staff trained in the responsible service of alcohol. And the commission said, look, this conduct by the employee had the potential to cause really significant injury to other people. There was no issues about procedural fairness or the way that this situation, the investigation and the subsequent disciplinary process was handled by Aldi and that the employee had a responsibility to act within reasonable bounds and did not do so. So that made the dismissal fair in all of the circumstances. So employers, please follow this example, you know, make sure alcohol is limited, that you've got people on site, preferably with security. CCTV was actually very helpful to have available in this situation. All of the things that should be done by an employer if you're going to have a Christmas party involving alcohol were done and that resulted in a successful defence of an unfair dismissal. 
sometimes there are cases where fighting or aggression and sexual harassment both take place, right? There was a, a recent decision of Drake and Bird and BHP Coles. Mr Drake and Mr Bird were employed by BHP and there was a work-related Christmas party hosted at a bowls club. At this function, uh, Mr Drake and Mr Bird both were involved in a fight with their supervisor, which is, of course, what you do at a Christmas party. Oh, career-limiting move. (laughs) Well, definitely for one of them. So there was a verbal and a physical altercation and the supervisor was punched in the face and injuries were caused to his forehead and his nose. You know, Mr Drake then continued to cover himself with glory by asking a female colleague if she had fake breasts. So that was, you know, after you have a fight, then you offend your female colleagues by asking her about her physical attributes. There was an investigation. Obviously, uh, it was found that Mr Drake had spoken inappropriately to his female colleague and that both Mr Drake and Mr Bird had punched the supervisor. So both employees were dismissed. And both employees then applied to the Fair Work Commission saying that their dismissals were unfair. So Mr Bird said, look, I did use inappropriate language. I was aggressive. We were all very drunk, but I didn't punch him. And I think that my actions in the circumstances were actually okay. Both employees said, hang on a minute, this is not a BHP event. It was at a bowls club. The bowls club was open to the public. The function was not hosted by the employer and therefore we say the code of conduct didn't apply a bit like, you know, the situation with Westpac. The commission, however, was satisfied that the event was a work-related party. It was sanctioned by the employer and the employer had made a significant contribution to the cost of food and transportation for the event. So that was more than sufficient to establish a work-related connection. And it rejected the employee's arguments that they were unaware that the event was a work-related party. The Commission said that while the employer didn't warn employees about behavioural expectations prior to the event, a bit like Aldi, the employer should have known that when they're gathering with their work colleagues in public places outside of working hours, they shouldn't have to be told by their employer not to get into a physical altercation. So there's some common sense statements from the Fair Work Commission there. In relation to Mr Drake's dismissal, there was a valid reason for the dismissal because he did punch his colleague in the head more than once. And uh, his reasoning, of course, didn't mitigate his conduct. However, Mr Bird was found to be unfairly dismissed because, unfortunately, the investigation said that both Mr Drake and Mr Bird punched the colleague, whereas, in fact, it was found by the commission that it was only Mr Drake. So Mr Bird's application wound up being successful and he was ordered to be reinstated by the Fair Work Commission. So Mr Drake certainly had done enough to wave bye-bye. His application was unsuccessful, but Mr Bird was reinstated to his employment with BHP. So that's a bit of a comment, I think, about making sure your investigations are, the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed and that things are tight. If you don't have sufficient evidence to say somebody punched somebody, then, you know, please don't take disciplinary action if your investigation doesn't say that. Absolutely. Um, Sometimes uh, you should not be sacked for what takes place. So the courts and tribunals sometimes find that there was an unfair dismissal and a a worker should be reinstated, like Mr Bird, who we just heard about. But there's also, I guess, an interesting question about whether drunkenness by itself should be grounds for dismissal. And there was an interesting case at the Sydney Opera House. There was, Damien. It was an interesting one because this was an event where an employee was a project administrator and she was employed by her employer to work on site at the Sydney Opera House. 
and she attended a drinks function um, for an Opera House employee in the public bar area of the beautiful Opera House and attendees purchased their own drinks. So it was a relatively low key event in this instance. But the employee did consume a considerable amount of alcohol and she became drunk and then vomited onto the floor of the public park area at the opera house where she was employed to work. So she then had to be assisted out of the bar and into a taxi. So the opera house manager advised the employee's employer about her conduct and the employer commenced an investigation. And obviously the employer was are doubtless horribly embarrassed by the conduct of its employee with its major client, the Opera House, and then she wound up eventually being dismissed as a result of that misadventure, I think we can call it, in relation to the throwing up on the floor of the public bar of the Opera House. So the employee said, look, this is an unfair dismissal and applied to the Fair Work Commission. The commission said, look, employer, you have conducted an incomplete and truncated investigation and there was actually no basis uh, for you to dismiss the employee. There was no evidence that the employee made any bad comments about her employer or that there was anything that she had actually done other than become too drunk and throw up on the floor. So the commission uh, actually made a very wise comment, which I do quite like. The commission said, on any reasonable and objective contemplation, a single act of drunkenness at an after-work function which did not involve any abusive or aggressive behaviour and for which no serious risk to the reputation or viability of the employer's business could be established would not represent misconduct that provided a sound, defensible and well-founded reason for dismissal. Frankly, if one act of inoffensive drunkenness at an after-work function provided a valid reason for dismissal, I suspect that the majority of Australian workers may have potentially lost their jobs. So this was uh, a matter that the employee won and I think the employer probably had just acted a little bit too harshly as a result of its embarrassment in front of its client. So coming back to the serious cases where there is offensive behaviour, where there is violence, where there is sexual harassment... Do workers who've been sacked sometimes say, it's not my fault, you plied me with alcohol, look what you made me do, you're responsible for this, why, can, why are you sacking me for, for a situation that you created? Is that an argument that, that flies? Yep, that is an argument and it, it does fly. There was a, I mean, it's not a recent case, but there was a case where um, a Christmas party was held where it was basically held in an environment where there were no trained bar staff. It was just coolers full of alcohol in a room. And, you know, the commission in that instance was very critical of the employer for providing unlimited access to unsupervised alcohol. And in that instance where there had been, you know, the obligatory problem in the course of the Christmas party, that employee did quite controversially actually wind up being reinstated because he said, well, this is your fault, employer. You gave me a whole pile of alcohol and then you want to punish me for my misbehaviour that was clearly caused by the alcohol that you gave me in the first place. So that was a a difficult one because his behaviour was very bad after this event. But uh, the commission, uh, after weighing up all the factors, decided that he should be reinstated after that because of the situation that the employer put him in. You're listening to The Law Report. Today, a conversation with employment law expert Athena Colmeyer about what can go wrong at the office Christmas party. Athena, moving away from unfair dismissal, sometimes 
alcohol consumption contributes to or indeed causes accidents and not just falling over on the dance floor. There was a case of someone who slipped while getting in or out of a spa. Well, look, this was a unique set of circumstances and it involves a... um a workers' compensation claim in South Australia. So the employer decided that they were going to hold, you know, a fabulous Christmas party, and this was held at a resort. It included the provision of overnight accommodation, unlimited alcohol, which we know is a problem, lunch, dinner, breakfast the following morning. There was a show involving a male stripper. It was, you know, just the most fabulous Christmas party this employer thought that they could organise. And this was a Carrara Hair and Beauty Centre, is that right? It was. So obviously uh, uh, some hairdressers in a resort overnight. Uh, with what could go wrong? What could go wrong? So obviously something did go wrong because while under the influence of that unlimited alcohol, an employee was attempting to step out of a spa bath and slipped on the tiles and fell and she very badly injured her hip and leg. So she made a claim for workers' comp, which wound up being denied at first instance by the insurer on the basis that the employee had not been required to attend the party and therefore they said that this injury has not occurred in the course of her employment. Unsurprisingly, this went on appeal to the South Australian Employment Tribunal and the decision was reviewed and the trial judge was satisfied that the Christmas social function was a work-related event for the purpose of the Return to Work Act there in South Australia. The trial judge found that the employer had actively fostered the attendance and participation of employees in the event. They'd made it attractive for the employee to attend the event by paying for everything and organising the event many months in advance. They told employees to let your hair down and provided ample alcohol accommodation, a spa bath and a male stripper and gave employees very wide discretion or choice as to how they could behave. So the trial judge said number of those decisions significantly contributed to the employee's injury, including the nature of the venue, the supply of alcohol and the expressed desire that all employees have a good time. So the trial judge concluded that the employment was a significant contributing factor to her injury. There was a further appeal of that decision, but it didn't go anywhere because the full bench said this employee is not off on a frolic of her own and using the spa bath was within the scope of the activities that were authorised and encouraged by the employer at this Christmas party. Interesting, because we're not talking about a finite, you know, two to four hour period where we're basically here the employer, you know, had gone to a lot of trouble to create a a kind of a fun event, the argument could be put maybe that the worker then has kind of an added responsibility to be responsible for their own um, behaviour over the course of a longer longer event or, or weekend away or night away. Do you mean that uh, the worker should have paced herself, Damien? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I, no, I, it's a, it is a good point. It is a very good point. Um, and I think, you know, we certainly heard from the Fair Work Commission in the Aldi decision that, you know, employees are expected to behave within a reasonable framework of conduct. So that certainly is something that um, could have been raised in the course of this kind of matter. But I think that, you know, in these circumstances where there was, if, if not provocation, then very enthusiastic encouragement from the employer that everybody should just go on this weekend away and let their hair down and eat and drink and be merry. And that, you know, this incident, let's not forget, occurred falling out of a 
trying to get out of a spa bath, if there had have been, you know, a punch up or something else that involved, you know, a greater degree of lack of care for herself or her own well-being, then that might have been a different situation. But here, she's not doing anything bad. She's just getting out of a spa bath and fallen over because she's, you know, clearly quite drunk. So that is, uh, I think, where the workers' comp regulator here drew the line and said, okay, well, none of this is surprising. There was a spa bath provided. She was just trying to get out of it and she injured herself. So, Athena Colmeyer, what should employers do to minimise the risk to themselves, but also, of course, to their employees? There is some well-established rules of thumb now, Damien. If you're going to have a Christmas party, and I do not mean to be the Grinch, but it's something that employers may wish to consider, whether it is a risk that they're willing to take. If you are having a Christmas party, please have it at a location where alcohol is served by trained bar staff, where there is sufficient supervision by managers to intervene if anybody is getting a little bit out of control. I think it is very, very important for employers to um, put out prior to and maybe a couple of times prior to the event that this is a work-related event and the rules still apply. So if, you know, you would not sexually harass somebody in the tea room during the course of your normal workday, please don't think it's appropriate to sexually harass them at the Christmas party either. So it's just a matter of making really sure that the ground is set in terms of what the standards of behaviour are are, um, and then taking the necessary steps to ensure there is no, I guess, temptation that somebody might drink too much on your tab and then blame you for their subsequent misconduct. So right now, are you fielding a lot of calls from clients about preventative strategies? Yes, we've had a number of discussions with uh, clients about preventative strategies. I do remember, not this year, Damien, but in the past, I did have a great call with a client who was talking to me about the budget for the Christmas party, which was, I can't remember exactly now, say $1,000. And they wanted to know if $800 on alcohol and $200 on food was sufficient. (laughs) And I told them that it was not. But You know, so all of those preventative measures um, we are talking to employers about now. So you're fielding a lot of calls now about preventative measures. Have you already started receiving phone calls about events which have gone awry? And, and, And when do those phone calls peak for you? It's a sad part of the lead up to Christmas every year, really, Damien, because employers, I think, genuinely try their best. Like we've recently had a situation with a client where they did all of the things that they should do. They reminded people of the rules. They, in fact, did not provide alcohol, but the location was a bar and people could purchase their own alcohol. And nevertheless, we've still had a situation in that context where an employee really did overstep the mark and, in fact, suffered an injury on the while he was being escorted out because he fell over and cracked his head open. So it's it's incredibly difficult, I think, for employers to try and curtail the human desire to have a party at the end of the year. So it doesn't matter really what sort of measures you put in place. Unfortunately, there may be someone who just sort of wants to step outside the boundaries despite your best efforts. And obviously that's why there's plenty of case law on this very interesting and quite sad topic. But, you know, really the peak of the discussions that we have with our clients is often, you know, when we 
get back to work after close down in January because investigations may have been completed or, you know, we're talking about whether or not to dismiss somebody at that point because of things that have subsequently been revealed after the Christmas party. Well, I wish you a quiet January. For everyone's sake, I hope you don't get too many of those calls. Athena Colmeyer, Employment Law Expert, Managing Director and Principal of Workplace Law. Uh, Merry Christmas and thank you for speaking to The Law Report. Merry Christmas, Damien. Have a safe one. That's The Law Report for 2023. A big thank you to producer Christina Kukolia and also to sound engineer Tim Simons. From next week, we begin our summer season. That's where we revisit some of our favourite programs from the last 12 months. Wishing you a safe and happy festive season and summer. I'm Damien Carrick. Talk soon. Uh,